0: hello thanks for listening to the total knee tips and pearls podcast this is adam rose and your host i'm a fellowship trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement in these episodes i'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs thanks for tuning in and on with the show This is Adam Rosen and welcome back to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls Podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk to you about hip balancing. Yep, it's a knee podcast, but we're going to talk about hips because I've had a bunch of people um say, hey, you know, we we like the information. I'd like to see you do one on hips. And uh I'm just gonna throw a couple um what I believe are probably the three most important sort of hip aspects that I think I can share with people. Um I'm I'm more of a knee guy than a hip guy, I don't do anterior Um, I'm a posterior guy and I have a couple things that I really do think kind of hold over to whatever approach that you do. So we're going to talk about balancing and what I do for balancing. Um, I'm going to talk to you about some tips and pearls on femoral preparation and broaching in the next episode and then also another episode on acetabular preparation which is something that I think you know a lot of at least our fellows coming through they have a lot more experience with approach um, and the femur um, but less so with the acetabulum. So balancing. And this is the thing which I think is extremely important. And this holds true for whatever approach that you do. You know, it's important to understand that, you know, we look at radiographic parameters, but we all know that, you know, the anatomy is very variable and different in each individual patient. Um, And I'm a true believer in a functional range of motion, you know, and and using the Ranawat sign and test and other variables um, to make sure that I have maximally balanced my hip for the patient not for the x-ray and that's extremely important because to be honest with you when people ask like what do you aim for well honestly it's different you know the cup position that I aim for in a hypermobile thin young female who enjoys playing tennis um, is very different than the positioning of the implants that I put in an 80 year old guy with a bad back and stenosis that you know walks hunched forward. Um, so, so there has to be a individual kind of preparation for the patient, obviously with goals in mind of what you're looking for, for both stability and wear purposes. So what I do and what I'm gonna explain to you is what I do for every single patient, every single time with every single change that I make whether or not it's a change in position of the cup, change in position of the stem, change in position of the, or change of the neck or the head length. Um, And the reason that I do this is occasionally you'll pick up on little subtleties that you maybe didn't see the last time, but also again, it is a muscle memory. So if you do it every single time, you build up the muscle memory, you can do it a whole lot quicker and you get used to what the normal is in the pattern. So, okay, implant trials are in there. So we've already done our our hip and the trials are in. what I do at this point is I pick my my foot up and position my leg and the knee to look at my combined version. And I use this because right away without even checking my balancing, I can see is my cup under-antiverted, over inverted. You know, I like the head trials that have an extra little ring um, right around sort of the equator because a lot of times you can use that ring and look at the face of the cup and go, you know, am I abducted or am I too vertical? So right away, without really touching the leg, you've put the leg into the position, you're checking it's combined at Rana Watsana. You can check in that position both get an idea of your version and your abduction for the patient. Um, But again, if your positioning has changed, especially in a lateral position, if you've tipped forward or backward, again, the pelvis position can change that a little bit. So that's where the functional range of motion, I think, comes in handy. So every single person, what I do is I take my leg and I pull it into extension. So what I'm looking for is a few things here in extension. You know, one, do I have good and full extension? is my neck impinging on the back of the cup? Maybe I have too much antiversion in my cup. Maybe they're hypermobile. But also, what is my quad like? Did I make them too long? Because if you make a leg too long, um, you should be more stable up until a point. Um, And that, is I should step back. That's one of the first things I do. So, you know, once the implants are in there, we're checking our leg lengths, and it's something I think everybody does. But you know, for completeness sake, first thing I do is check the leg lengths. Then that combine round outside. Then extension. So in extension, I'm pulling the knee back, you know, five to ten degrees, checking the quad, checking the rectus, and looking, do I have impingement? Next thing I do is in that extension position, externally rotate the leg. Why? Because in this externally rotated position, this is where you could have neck impingement. And if we're looking down at the cup, say we're doing a left hip in a lateral position, you're behind the patient, we're looking at around one 130 position on the clock face. If the neck is hitting there and it impinges there, that can cause anterior subluxation or dislocation. When does this occur? Well, again, tennis players, if they're serving and they're hypermobile, they go into hyperextension and external rotation. More commonly, you might see it in most patients in the shower, they're standing in the shower and they go to turn and reach for soap or their shampoo and that external rotation position can put this neck against the cup. So the question then if it is hitting, you have to ask, you know, do I need to make the cup more vertical? Do I need to take some of the antiversion out of the cup? Because that's where it's impinging. So we've done leg length, we've done our combined Rana what sign, We've done extension, number three, number four, extension, external rotation. Because the mistake that I see a lot of people make is they'll go extension, okay, I'm not hitting, I'm pinching, and then they kind of let the knee drift forward, almost in like five degrees of hip flexion, and then externally rotate it. So you're not really checking extension, you know, and external rotation. You're checking neutral slight flexion and external rotation. So extension, full extension, and in that position, external rotation. Next, position of sleep. So I'm bringing the knee forward, dropping this left knee over the right knee, internally rotating the foot, and seeing, am I subluxing? If I'm hitting neck on cup, that is significantly retroverted. More commonly, if someone's osteoarthritic and they have osteophytes, and you didn't take the osteophytes out when you put the cup in, they may hit the neck on the osteophytes. So you have to be aware. Am I impinging neck on implant? Am I impinging neck on osteophyte? Or is the neck not impinging anything and it popped out? Wait, what's going on? Okay, so that might be an offset issue. That could be troke. Um, so again, putting all these informational pieces in your head is important, but you don't want to stop. You want to go through the whole algorithm. So next thing I do is take it out of position of sleep, put the leg sort of at neutral, and flex it all the way up to say 100 degrees or more. This can be an issue if they're big and they have a big belly. This can be an issue if your hip positioners are in the way but you wanna make sure that you can get hyperflexion. When does this occur? So hyperflexion, if they're sitting in a low seat and they're older and they're weaker and they have to basically throw their body weight forward, they can go into this 100, 100 degree plus position of flexion and if it's popping out, you know, again, you gotta ask, am I under Um, Am I over-abducted? Is this soft tissue impingement? Is this bony impingement? Next thing I do is come down to about 90 degrees of flexion A deduct the legs, I'm dropping the knee down and then internally rotating. And then seeing where does it start to sublux. Again, this is an art thing. So if every single time you do this, it pops in and pops out, you gotta re-reduce the hip. You're not really feeling it and controlling it. So really have it in your hand, drop it down and rotate it slowly and see, okay, when does it start to hit if it hits? And when it hits, when does it start to sublux? And if it does sublux, why is it happening? Again, is it neck on implant? Is it neck on osteophyte? Is it troche on pelvis? Because all of those things are different. So depending on what the cause of the instability is, is gonna dictate what you do to fix or change it. Now, a couple of other things that sometimes they have this thickened, redundant sort of soft tissue and everything else is actually okay. Sometimes you do have to do a little debulking, especially in the front from the internal rotation sort of impingement thing. And occasionally there's osteophytes. So obviously I think a lot of people are aware of osteophytes around the acetabulum. So you got to change those osteophytes and get them out of there. Use a the curved osteotome, curette, rongeur, get that stuff out of there. The other area which I see a lot of people miss osteophytes. Um, and I go after this at two different times is that when you're broaching the femur, Um, before you start to broach, when you get your retractors in there, there may be osteophytes on the anterior neck. Again, this is if you're doing a posterior approach. Um, And I take those off early because they can tent the anterior capsule and make it hard to translate the femur forward. Um, But it also tightens you up in extension and it may be an impingement force in the front. So I scrape those off or pull those out. The other thing is once I put my broach in in calcar plane, you know, people are looking medially on the calcar. But what I'm also looking for is anterior to the neck, but just medial to the troche. A lot of times if you use the bovie and kind of take some of the tough soft tissue off, there's always a little osteophytes sort of, they would be at the base of the greater trochanter but anteriorly, and I find sometimes these can impinge um, on soft tissue up front and cause a little subluxation. So you really want to address those osteophytes and get rid of them. Um, but I go through that every single time. So let's say we're pretty good, right? Let's, let's say, okay, I think everything's good. Um, I want it to be perfect. So are there any other minor changes? And this is where I make minor changes in my cup. And I, I think about it as, again, like a clock face. You gotta think about it three dimensionally. Don't think about it, I need more abduction, I need more antiversion, because you're looking at really two planes. And sometimes by fixing one, you affect the other one. I try to think about it when I look at my combined version, functional range of motion and what's hitting, I try to think, okay, do I have to change my cup position in this plane? So let's say the one o'clock to seven o'clock plane or the three o'clock to nine o'clock plane. So when I'm taking my hand and changing my cup position, I'm trying to move my hand in the implant in that direction. And then a retrial. Anytime that I change something, if it's the cup or the stem or the, I, I go through that same algorithm again. So check my leg lengths, check my combined Ranawat sign, extension, extension, external rotation, position sleep, full flexion, flexion, deduction, internal rotation, and then you won't miss anything. Okay, I think it's perfect. Let's recheck. So what I always tell people in the beginning, and one of the things in beginning of my practice I probably thought about the most and lost the most sleep over was, did I make them too long, too short? Is you got a zero head in there. Let's say you got a neutral head and you got a minus and a plus option. Depending on the system that you're using, I'm not gonna talk about specific numbers, but you got one, one smaller, one bigger. Okay, in the beginning, trial both. Why? This is the Goldilocks theory, right? So the porridge is too hot, too cold. The bed's too soft, too hard. So if you have a zero in there, you got a neutral and you love it, confirm it. So put the minus on, put it through all the same ranges of motion and go, yep, it feels short and it's unstable. Okay. Try the plus. Okay. You know what? Feels long and it's too tight. I don't have full range of motion. I don't have full extension. And you can dictate that. You know, I tried the neutral and it was well balanced. I did try the minus and it was unstable. And I tried the plus and the leg lengths were too long. And you will never ever question should I have done this or that? You know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, when I was younger, used to skydive. And, uh, you know, one of the things is if you're under your parachute and you're far from the landing area, what we call the drop zone and you're over trees, you never want to say, I think I can make it back. You want to know you can make it back. So when you're in the operating room, you don't want to say, I think this is okay. You want to know it's okay. You know, that person has put their faith in you that you're going to do the best job possible, um, so it's important to really test all these things, balance the hip, go through that algorithm every single time. Check your leg length, check your combined run of what sign, extension, extension, external rotation, position sleep. flexion, high flexion, flexion, deduction, internal rotation. Um, and no matter what approach you're doing, if you're taking the leg, especially taking it out of the leg holder and not just relying just on your x-rays and making sure that your balancing is good, you're always gonna have a well-balanced hip because you have to then put into... Your mind of okay, if I'm not just changing the cup, is it an offset issue? And if I'm going to increase offset, what is my option in my stem? You know, do I just have a lateralized offset option, and does that not add length? Because if I'm just changing neck shaft angle and I'm adding offset in length, I may have to sink my stem to get more offset to equalize my leg length so Otherwise, I'll gain offset and length. Um, And that can also occur with head sizes. You know, if you need more offset and you're increasing a head size one or two sizes, what has that done to your leg length? Do you need to sink that stem? So you need to kind of combine all of these things when you're looking at your balancing and decide, okay, osteophytes should be removed, number one. That's part of the operation. You know, number two, obviously, is implant position, both cup and stem, making sure that the version of your stem is appropriate, that your stem is neutrally aligned, because if it's in valgus you lose offset you gain length if it's in varus you gain offset you lose length in addition to the issues with the fixation of the stem your cup position you know do you need more abduction less abduction more antiversion less antiversion again depending on the stability and the anatomy do you need more offset are you hitting on pelvis and if so do you have to make adjustments in your stem position to minimize over lengthening a leg And if you go through all those algorithms, you're gonna be good. Now, you put the real implant in. I put my cup in, my liner in, my actual stem. I still retrial with the thing that I believe because I wanna make sure that my stem is sitting at the level of where my brooch was. And again, I put it through all these ranges of motion. And then I put the real head on and I check it again. You know, so I do this multiple times. It sounds like a lot, but once you're quick, you can do that whole test in under you know sixty seconds. Um, and the reason that I check it again is just to make sure that everything feels the same, nothing shifted or moved. But also checking soft tissue that you don't want to drag soft tissue into the cup with that last reduction maneuver. And if you put it through those ranges of motion, you'll notice that or dictate or, or kind of define that, and then you can remove that soft tissue. So. Um, A little off topic for the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast, um, but I hope that you find this information helpful when you're doing your total hips. Um, I will talk to you in the next couple episodes both about specifics on the broaching and femur preparation and reaming and acetabular preparation um, so you can kind of put those little thoughts in your head. Thanks again for listening. I'm Adam Rosen. Um, You've been listening to a hip episode on the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.